mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey guys, it's Candice and Kayla, and we are Directionally Challenged. Oh yeah, we thought we would have it all figured out by the time we're in our 30s. But surprise, we don't. No, we don't. But that's okay. It is okay. And you know, we've talked with previous guests about pregnancy, our pregnancies, miscarriage, fertility struggles, and all the ways that you can go about getting pregnant if you want to have a baby. But we also really wanted to talk about what happens if you don't want to have a baby. What if you find yourself pregnant and you don't want to be pregnant anymore? Today, we're going to talk about abortion and abortion stigma. Liz Winstead is our guest. She is best known as the co-creator of The Daily Show, a program that reinvented late night and showed a new generation of comedians how to combine news with satire and activism. However, for her next act... Liz Winstead founded what is now known as Abortion Access Front, an organization that travels the country supporting abortion clinics and the people who work there. So without further ado, here's our sit down with Liz Winstead. It's funny, we're so excited to speak with you, Liz. And uh, now that the mic is on and I know exactly what we're talking about today, uh, my heart rate just went up. My palms are very sweaty. Um, Why? Is it still, after all this time, so difficult to talk about abortion? Why is this still a difficult conversation for three women to have? You know, I think part of it is that we don't have these conversations enough. And so we have seeded so much of the language, the dialogue, and everything around abortion to the anti-abortion movement because they have somehow laid it out that they have some kind of moral high ground around it. And in doing that and in not taking the time to unpack for ourselves what abortion really is, how we really feel about it so that we can talk about it, uh, we have a lot of feelings around it where, 
even well-meaning people talk about it shamefully, maybe feel uncomfortable saying the word abortion. We'll say things like, you know, no one's pro-abortion. Every We're pro-choice. And it's like, you know, ask yourself why that is such a necessary thing for you to say, right? Because for someone who's had abortions like me, for people that provide that care, whenever they hear that, it makes us feel like we don't know who to confide in. We don't know who to talk to. And for providers, they feel like people judge them. You just mentioned that you've had abortions in your life. Um, and also that we, the idea of you know, what abortion is, is not something that we talk about that often. Well, what, what is abortion to you? What does that word mean to you? So what abortion means to me is the ability to end a pregnancy. If that pregnancy um, is something that if you don't want to parent, or if you don't want to parent any more children. And so, and I think that's different than when, you know, you hear a lot of people say, well, why don't you just give it up for adoption. And I, and I say adoption is when you've made a decision that you don't want to parent, but you want to give that opportunity to someone else. And abortion is the decision you make when you no longer want to be pregnant. And those two things are not the same and they're mutually exclusive. And, you know, there's hard things to say, but for me, abortion has meant being able to fully realize what I wanted to be, who I wanted to become. And I often say when people are like, oh my God, I love the Daily Show. It's like, thank you, but also thank abortion because there's no way I would have ever been able to walk down that path and do that and make that and learn all I needed to know to get to that point if I had not had the option to say parenting isn't something that is any way part of going to be part of my life. It seems like such a personal decision and such a personal choice. I know that there's arguments out there that people say there's good abortions and bad abortions. And can you take us through this? Because sometimes there's so much out there that it's hard to wrap our brains around. Yeah. This. And I, and I feel like when we say things like, well, at least we should have abortion in the cases of rape and incest or, you know, later abortions, why must you have those? Um, well, first off, later abortions happen because of a couple of reasons. One, because you have removed so much access to early abortion that by the time people need and can get the funds, figure out where they can go, if they don't live in a place where it's accessible, they have an abortion later in their pregnancy and later in their pregnancy doesn't mean that all of a sudden something changes. It's just an abortion that you have. Um, when you say things about rape and incest, you are making it sound exactly like you said, like there are noble reasons one would have an abortion and we will accept those reasons. Um, not understanding that everyone's reason is valid and should be honored because they've taken stock of what childbirth would be like for them and what parenting would be like for them. And they made a decision to not do that. So just because the circumstances aren't visible to you, nor should they ever have to be, right? It's one of the very few medical procedures where so many people feel entitled to weigh in on your decision and feel entitled to make a value judgment on why you made it. And so I always say there's no good abortion. There's no bad abortion. There's only the abortion that you need. And that's what I fight for every day for everyone. If that's the decision you've made and you're having a really hard time navigating that, I want to help you any way I can. I think what infuriates me about the the rape argument that, oh, well, is it, you know, incest rape? It's like as a society, it's pretty clear we have a hard time believing the victim of sexual assault or rape. If you look at the studies, if you look at the statistics, it's not like, oh, someone has said that they were assaulted and raped. And, you know, every single time they are believed like those numbers are actually um, not indicative of that. So it's interesting that that gets roped into the defense of um, of why certain abortions would be considered, you know, right or wrong. Well, and I also feel, too, that, you know, in the unpacking 
of talking about abortion and like the real talk sort of aspect that we're having, which I love right now, that is also, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter how you got pregnant. And so I almost, for Mm -hmm. the radical extremists who are like, it shouldn't matter because every life is a life. Um, I think that's a completely, it's just wrong scientifically. It's just wrong at a bunch of levels, but because I feel the exact opposite. It, it's how a pregnancy happens. It's just still a pregnancy. And, and that's, and that's what it is. And the value put on that pregnancy is put on it by the pregnant person. If they, if they're choosing to not be pregnant any longer, that's going to have a very different connotation sometimes than somebody who needs to have an abortion. If a fetal anomaly develops or if a wanted pregnancy um, needs to be terminated. And so for me, we shouldn't value pregnancy as much as we value people living in the world. Um, and I let the person who is pregnant dictate what that looks like. If the pregnant, if someone who's pregnant and wants to have a kid and wants to refer to it as their baby, you do that because that's your baby and you're really excited about it. But if you're somebody who physician shouldn't do that because baby's not a medical term inside the womb, you know, and physicians often follow the patient's lead, but you know, it's just, it's a very hard conversation to have around all of these issues because we never have them. And so sometimes when people hear me speaking for the first time, they're like, this feels very radical. And this person is, is just wants everyone to have abortions. And I'm like, I most certainly do not, but I, I want every pregnancy outcome to have value. So if you are 15 and get pregnant and you're like, I want to have this baby and raise this baby, I want all the resources for you that you can have so that that baby and your life can be a whole wonderful family. And same, if you're a person who has two kids and is pregnant and can't accommodate another kid, I want to value your decision to have an abortion just as much and have everybody feel like pregnancy outcomes are valued. It's interesting when researching you, you had such an a, a great point that I personally had never thought of in this regard yet. The idea of the role that the media plays in all of this and their lack of communication. And can you expand on this for my benefit and for our listeners uh, more deeply? Because I, I mean, I know you said people have that some people have no clue that there's a battle going on. It's true. Um, and I think Forever, the media has run away from abortion, has not talked about abortion, um, has looked at it as a controversial issue. And so if you don't stay on top of it, you don't understand where we're at. And truth be told, in 46 states in America, they have put so many... In 10 years, there's been 1,500 regulations on abortion in all but like three states. Oregon has had none. So go Oregon, you're winning. Um, But, and so the media looks at like a thing that happens in Indiana here or a thing that happens in Ohio over here and they don't watch the trends. And so from my vantage point, if you aren't following the trends and the trends are, there's 12 states right now that if Roe v. Wade gets overturned within 30 days, Abortion will be wiped out of those states 100%. You can't get an abortion. That's 25% of the country. There's 11 states right now where a physician that provides abortion is required by the state to counsel on a non-medically proven practice that's called abortion reversal, where if you take the first pill of your abortion, you are to tell someone they can be pumped full of hormones and that may stop the abortion from happening. Now, when people who are pro-choice researchers said, if you're not going to actually do a study, we will. And they launched a study and um, people started hemorrhaging and having to go to the emergency room. They had to stop. Uh, And the state still passed these laws. You know, 12 states said a six-week abortion ban is 100% unconstitutional, yet Texas was like, go for it. 
So if you don't follow the trends and then you don't see that the same people that storm the Capitol are the same people outside of the abortion clinics. So those intersections of white supremacy and misogyny are there. And we've been following this for like five years with my organization, Abortion Access Front. And we have been following the Facebook pages of Christian extremism and following how they go and what they do and what they preach. And they preach taking up arms because Christianity is under attack. And we identified on January 6th, our organization identified 30 anti-abortion extremists that were at the Capitol and turned their names over to the FBI. And so we're making all these inroads. And since the media is not covering it in some kind of regularity, they don't know how to cover it. They're using wrong terminology. They don't even know which experts to put on. And so um, we just decided, screw it. We're going to launch our own show called Feminist Buzzkills Live. We're launching December 2nd. And we're going to have a really robust and interesting conversation as all of these laws come up every week. We're going to have experts on, doctors, activists, researchers, and then we're going to have comics and musicians on. So it's going to be like the best feminist talk show ever that's really centering reproductive coercion and giving people calls to action so they can do something. I think so many people feel like, I hear this news, I feel so freaked out because no one's telling me what to do. And we are an organization that has plenty of things for you to do, whether you are at home and have limited capacity, things that you can do from your living room, uh, things that you can do in an hour, in a day, in a week, on the streets. Uh, because I, we want everyone to participate. you got to participate. Otherwise, it's just going to be taken. So before we get into um, the political atmosphere of what's going on right now, and then also November 30th, I want to go back to the beginning of uh, founding Abortion Access Front and why you specifically wanted to focus on abortion um, as opposed to just generally reproductive rights? Why was abortion specifically making sure that that word was included in your organization's title important to you? I think part of why it's important is for the things that we talked about, because people would talk about reproductive rights or um, say they're pro-choice. And if, if access to all the choices aren't available, then what is pro-choice? You know, they're not legislating a choice. They're legislating yeah. abortion. And yeah. so if we can't say it, how are we going to advocate for it? And so for me, you know, having my background be doing political satire, using humor to call out hypocrisy and and bring facts and, and expose what's happening in a new way, um, watching abortion get sidelined all the time or just forgotten about or just erased, I wanted to take what all of the skills that I had in elevating just the profound vaginal crossing guards that are out there just desperately trying to (laughs) um, eliminate all access. And then um, bringing also the knowledge and the facts so people have some ammunition to go back and fight back with. I wanted to just take all that and, and, and use abortion as the place where I was going to hang my hat. And so what we do in the larger scope at Abortion Access Front is we travel around the country and do comedy music shows. And then within our shows, we interview providers and activists who live in that town. So our audience can hear what's at stake and then they can sign up and become active in their local communities. And then we also do these wild uh, projects. If you provide abortion in hostile states, like 46 of them, uh, you can't get someone to mow your lawn or do your plumbing or paint your clinic. So we go down there and do these massive overhaul projects for these clinics. And then when we're on stage, we say, hey, we did this and we, we, we got them all spruced up. But who in our audience wants to be the activist that gets paid, takes on a client and is their landscaper? And and then people are like, wait, are you telling me that if I mow the lawn of the clinic, that's activism? And I said, yes, by parking your <laughs> yeah. van in front of that clinic and saying, I support this establishment, that's activism. And so that has been incredibly 
rewarding and helpful. And then we do we do like adopt a clinic programs all year long where you and your buddies can get together and we'll hook you up with a clinic that's got a wish list and you can help fulfill that. You know, clinics need a lot of stuff when they're buried in work, you know, heating pad covers and aftercare packages for their patients and diapers for the people who come in who have kids and who need, you know, that kind of care. And so it's, it's really incredible to take care of the people who are taking care of people. You know, we were looking for a place where there was a hole in help and the hole was looking out for the people providing the care. They're harassed, they're, they're followed home, their lives are threatened, they're trying to correct the record and they're just trying to provide the care. And I was like, I can take some of that off your plate and should. So that's what we do. When you had your abortions, uh, I know you've talked about them publicly before. Um, did you feel like you had that care? What was your experience like and how has your experiences played into uh, the care and support that you give uh, abortion providers? So I, I got pregnant the first time I ever had sex when I was uh, in high school at 17. And um, I am 60 years old. And so back then, it was a lot different. There wasn't like home pregnancy tests just weren't available. They were really expensive. And they had just come out. Like, it seems like so old timey. There wasn't a lot of clinics that were around that you knew about. And so at 16, I don't even know if I'd even gone to the gynecologist before, you know, yeah. for the first time. And so I saw an ad on a bus that said, you know, pregnancy tests, choices, options. And I thought it was a clinic and it ended up being um, what's called a crisis pregnancy center, which are these fake clinics that are out there in the world that are set up by um, extremists for the sole purpose of deceiving vulnerable pregnant people and trying to talk them out of their abortion through lies and stuff. And I'll never forget, I was at this clinic and there was a person there wearing a lab coat, just impersonating a doctor, straight up impersonating a doctor and um, showing me those horrible pictures that you see of fetuses that have been either like, some of those pictures are just like, like dead, dead infants from other countries. It's like crazy. And so she was so scary to me and didn't ask me anything about my situation, my life, anything about me. And when I desperately was trying to get out of there, she looked at me like with dead eyes and said, just remember your options are mommy or murder. And Oh my God. It was Ooh. so intense. And, um, and then I just got back on the bus and I saw an ad for another place. And then I, I was like, is this another real place? Like I don't have any choice. And it ended up being this beautiful independent abortion provider who asked me all the right questions and asked me questions. And this is the part that I find so important to tell folks. They asked me questions about my life, my future, my capacity, my situation that didn't have leading answers. They only had the answers that would allow me to answer them correctly for myself. I could have very easily answered those questions and been like, you know what? I think I want to do this. I think, I think, I think this is what is in the cards for me. But instead it was like, it reaffirmed what I, what I knew about myself, which was parenting was just not something I ever considered doing even as a teen and haven't since. So I had an abortion uh, and it was, you know, relief was the feeling I felt. It, I was so lucky I was able to have it. And the best part of the story is, you know, 40 years later, um, I met the owner of that clinic and she is now one of my best friends and I'm on the board of that clinic. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. I thank you for sharing that with us. That's uh, an incredible story. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Day 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me, one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far, so good. Because that's where 310 Nutrition comes in. It's helping me and our listeners in the new year with protein and super rich food products with so many options and flavors. Right now I have the chocolate bliss and caramel sundae and they are both so (laughs) delicious. I have to hide them from my husband so that he doesn't steal them too. They're a triplex protein blend, plant-based proteins that include pea, brown rice, and pumpkin that leave me feeling full. 310 Nutrition also has a hydrate electrolyte drink mix. My favorite is the peach mango flavor. So not only am I hydrating and drinking water, I have an electrolyte blend, vitamin blend, and it's sugar-free. With one stick of hydrate mix into 16 ounces of water, and it can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water. Thank you. This way I can keep my resolution, keep feeling strong, have greater focus, feel refreshed, and maintain my hydration without having to drink as much. One of my favorite refreshing water enhancers they have is the lemonade flavor. It gives me energy. This one's also sugar-free. It's used with real lemons and it's pH balanced. And this also offers the same hydration as two to three bottles of water. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code CHALLENGED and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products that you know you'll use and will help you keep your resolution. So go to 310nutrition.com and use the code CHALLENGED right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310-nutrition.com and use code CHALLENGED. It's all the good stuff your body needs in flavors you crave. So be healthier effortlessly. And we're back. I really want to dive into the fake clinics for a minute because I want to talk about this. Why is it so hard to tell the difference? How can we spot the difference? Uh, It's really hard to hear your story. And can we talk about where they get their funding? Yes. So there's a lot. So the one thing I'm going to tell you before I get started is we have a whole website and program called exposedfakeclinics.com that after everything I've said, and you're like, how do I know more? What can I do? Exposedfakeclinics.com, big overarching thing. We're really proud of this site and update it. So there, to give you an indication, there's about 720 actual abortion clinics in America, and we have identified nearly 3,000 of these fake clinics. Um, some of them get big 
uh, institutional funding from right-wing organizations, many churches, and a lot of your tax dollars have gone from defunding Planned Parenthood and cutting like food, food, food security programs and poverty programs and transfer them out of, out of state programs into these fake clinics. Um, they, they will oftentimes set up right next to or across the street from another clinic and they'll call themselves things like, um, a woman's choice or, um, or like reproductive health options. And they hide the fact that they don't provide abortion, but they'll say like, want to talk about abortion um, in their, in their um, literature. If you go to their websites, uh, it, sometimes it will take you so long to find out that they don't provide care. Uh, I know that a lot of times when you walk in, They'll make you undress and they'll take your clothes in your purse and your shoes and your phone and they'll put you in an exam room and they have ultrasound machines there. And I don't think a lot of people know that anyone can operate an ultrasound machine on another person. You don't have to be licensed. You don't have to be anything. These people what? aren't licensed. And if you, and so they will um, give you an ultrasound. Oftentimes they will not tell you the truth about, they'll either say you're, not that far along and why don't you come back in another month and we'll talk and then you're really far along and then too far along to have an abortion where you live or they'll do the opposite and say oh you're too far along um don't even think you can have an abortion now and then they'll go to another place and be like you're just barely pregnant i'm glad you came um the other thing they do is they threaten people who come there they have them fill out a form it's an illegal form and then they fax that form to every abortion clinic within like 300 miles. And the form says, I, I promise I won't have an abortion by penalty, by penalty of law. And so people think that they can't go have abortions because they signed this illegal form. And it's really, really scary that they are allowed to do it. And the the state of California challenged their existence in the Supreme Court a few years ago. And what the Supreme Court ruled is, and this is just unbelievable, that if they were providing actual medical care, they couldn't lie to patients. But because they don't, you know, giving someone a pregnancy test, an ultrasound isn't considered a medical procedure, giving people literature on pregnancy, all of that kind of stuff isn't considered medical care. So that means they can lie under the First Amendment and say whatever they want in a setting that is purported to be a place of medical safety. And it's taking advantage of someone when they're in such a vulnerable position. I mean, in I think pregnancy in general, it doesn't matter if you've spent two years of your life doing everything you can with herbal supplements and in vitro trying to get pregnant. It's no matter what. It's a rush of emotions either way. And and that's what's just so infuriating that anyone could have it within themselves to prey on someone in that vulnerable position who's just looking for guidance and education and yeah. understanding and someone to hold their hand for a second. Well, and imagine like if you're pregnant, if you're not going to your doctor and you're going to a place that you Googled and they own SEO, they are really good at owning SEO when you look up like what abortion in my area. Uh, in, when you're on the internet, um, the algorithm that gets you first to, to, to show up first on a Google search, you know, they have it. So they come up because there's more of them because they um, have rigged the Google system, if you will. You can, you'll often get a fake clinic before you get a real one and Googling, I need an abortion. If you don't have a doctor to go to, you know, you don't have a regular person and you're just unclear, uh, you know, this is going to come up probably in your, in your life. You know, if it says free and you're just trying to, you know, cobble money together for food or taking care of your existing kids and it's really painful. And the, one of the worst things about them is that a lot of times they'll have like, um, clothing for kids and, and cribs and diapers but the only way that you can get those things, it's not like they're giving them to you to help you. 
you have to volunteer and work there and tell other people the lies and give them the counseling in order for you to get a crib or diapers or whatever from them. And it's like so cruel. If you're somebody who is low income or like housing insecure, and you're trying to find a job that actually pays, and you go to this place thinking they're going to help you. And what they say to you is you have to give us free labor in order to get some diapers. You know, fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. I know. I feel like I'm so dark and dour. No, no, it's funny. I was, you are so funny, Liz. And that's why we love you so much. But the truth is, this is the real version of this conversation. And this is what we want to have and why we have had you on because you have so much knowledge about it. I think it's really important that we talk about the lawmakers that are making moves to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, and for those that don't know on the podcast, Roe v. Wade is the law that legalized abortion nationwide. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about this and what's happening right now? Yes. So right now we are in a crisis. Um, Roe v. Wade was made a constitutional right in all 50 states in 1973. And they ruled that legal abortion, uh, is the law of the land up until 24 weeks without any questions asked. Um, 24 weeks is actually, it's what the court decided, but medical professionals are still unclear really about, they say that that's like the age of viability, but that's also really undetermined in medical circles. And so you should be able in all 50 States access abortion in, for whatever reason you want, having to explain it to no one. Unfortunately, there have been laws that have chipped away at that and Supreme Court decisions that have made it harder to get abortions. Um, And so an unheard of thing happened before Texas, which is a Mississippi case where they banned abortion at 15 weeks, which goes against what the Supreme Court said is your legal, um, you know, right to have an abortion is 24 weeks. Um, Two courts, the most conservative courts in America, both said, this law is unconstitutional and you can't enforce it. And the state of Mississippi said, screw you courts twice. We're going to ask the Supreme Court if they'll hear it anyway. And in the history of the Supreme Court, they take cases that are um, a clear challenge of existing law so that they can lay it out there. It's unheard of that somebody who creates a law that flies in the face of something that's been ruled unconstitutional, that the Supreme Court would say, we're going to hear this case. So this is very scary because what they're saying is, we don't care what the real law of the land is. We want to change the law. We want to say that 15 weeks is going to be the new normal. And that means Roe v. Wade gets overturned. And that means part of the scenarios that I've laid out for all of you, which is that those 12 states who have that trigger law in place where if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, they ban abortion, that goes into play. Also, there's several states that have laws on hold that are waiting to see how the Supreme Court rules. And if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, then those laws will also go into effect. Um, And so We're in a place where we all need to center reproductive care because if somebody can tell me another thing other than the decision of when and if you want a parent that sets off the whole rest of your life, if you can tell me another thing, I'd be curious. But if you care about human rights, uh, you must put yourself in this fight. You must talk about abortion with your family, have hard conversations. Uh, you must make sure that you are looking at your state to see who are the politicians in your state that are proposing um, these kind of laws that are oppressing people, that are harming people. You know, who is the secretary of state in your state? Because that's a real important job. Because that's the person who says, The election that we just had was fair and legitimate, and I'm certifying it, and that's the winner. And as we move forward, 
with bigger national elections, we want to make sure that our our vote our vote counts, and the Secretary of State's the one that makes sure that happens. So, looking at that, you know, there's a lot, and also just it's important to just be in community with folks who are working on it as well, because you really do bond with people. It's dire as I sound. We are in the right. Therefore, we get to bring joy. We get to defending the other person, somebody else's right to their own self-determination involves dancing and laughing and holding them up and being in community. And it's just, it's really important. Just something that's a little bit more enticing to help people have that conversation. So just so everybody knows, it's not like I was raised by like, you know, like hippie witches who were like, let's just talk about abortion. (laughs) My parents, my dad is from Mississippi, Catholic conservative, like no, no mas on abortion. So I think oftentimes the people who are anti-abortion will bring it up first. I have found that in my family and the people who hate you want to call you names right away. I always say, you know, I'm lucky enough to bring up my own experience. And I always say, you have such strong opinions around abortion. You know me, you know, I've had an abortion. How do you view me? What do you think of me? Or, you know, people who, and love people who've had abortions. Why do you think that the set of facts that you have heard, A, are they coming from physicians? Where are they coming from? And what stake do people have in focusing on this solely? Because for me, when I look at the world, and when we started our first tour, it was the same year that all the kids at the borders were thrown in cages and separated from their families. And we did 30 cities. And I asked the people who were in front of the clinics protesting, I said, are you going to go to the border to support families. And they said, it's not my issue. And I was like, if children aren't your issue and keeping families together, aren't your issue. What is your issue? Because it seems, I always like to, you know, when I talk about abortion, I always ask people like, you know, how often do you talk about abortion? And, and how did you, how did you formulate your opinions? You know, where, where did it all come from in your world? I'm always curious about that and try to give people, um, you know, places to look for facts, research where they can look and they're not going to ever look at research, but the truth be told, if they really believed that abortion was this murderous rampage, why is it that you're not so profoundly working to make sure that birth control is available everywhere? Because if you're not, we all have to just cop to the fact that people are having sex everywhere. It's not my job to judge why somebody has sex. Just isn't. They're gonna. And if somebody who's had sex and winds up pregnant says, I am wholly incapable of having kids. Do you think the punishment should be forcing them to have kids? I feel like that doesn't make any sense. This, you know, when people are like, why do you, what about the people who use pregnant, who use, you know, abortion as birth control? I'm like, well, I think that those people, like, I don't care how many abortions you have, but abortion's not convenient. And not using unprotected sex means you're not protecting yourself from STDs. So maybe that person isn't ready to parent. You know, maybe they're showing signs that they wouldn't be great at parenting. And so, you know, there's a lot of things to look at, but I always want people to 
tell me where they're getting their information. And if it just goes back to God and Jesus and the Bible, um, the, the word abortion is not in the Bible. And second, at some point you have to let someone else make decisions between if they believe in a God, their God and themselves. That's up to them. It's just up to them. That is very, very well said. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. And we're back. While we're kind of talking about ideas around abortion that aren't really facts, you know, like the idea that someone just uses a, an abortion clinic as their birth control measure, knowing how expensive they are, how difficult it is due to the limited access to abortions. You don't just like, yeah, you're not on an app just being like, oh my gosh, there's 10 appointments open today. Like, it's, yeah. that's not how it works <laughs> if you actually... No done any researcher. Yeah. Um, so th- could you kind of expand on some of the other wild conspiracy theories around mm-hmm. abortion or even mm-hmm. the idea of someone's listening going like, well, you know what? No, if if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, then I think there'll just be less, you know, pregnancies because everyone's just going to be really more uh, cautious in the future or since the history of forever, there's been unintended pregnancy. There's been failed birth control. There's been people who don't use birth control. There's Um, And people are always framing it as though there isn't a slew of people who already have 65% of people who have abortions already have kids. And so there's families that are making these decisions. There's many, many people making these decisions. An early abortion is if you take medication abortion, there's two kinds of abortion in early pregnancy. There's aspiration abortion which involves, um, it's a, it's a miscarriage. It's exactly miscarriage management. It's a DNC. They clean out your uterus and they remove the products of conception. And that's what happens. There's no cutting. Anybody who ever tells you there's cutting an abortion, there is no sharp implementation ever in abortion ever. That is a lie. That's just a flat out lie. Medication abortion is safer than taking an aspirin and aspiration abortion is safer than a colonoscopy. It's safer than most procedures you will have medically. It doesn't cause breast cancer that has been debunked. It doesn't cause infertility that has been debunked. You could have multiple abortions and multiple children. People do all the time. It does not affect getting pregnant. Um, I mean, people may experience sadness. Some people may experience abortion regret or depression, but a lot of times they, you know, there's been massive studies that say the number one emotion that people feel is relief. And sure, there's a continuum of feelings around abortion. You know, there just are. Some people don't care at all. It's fine. Moon out of life. Some people feel sad. Some people feel profoundly sad, but you can't say that unless someone is diagnosed, you know, with depression, they probably had depression before they had their abortion. And there's a massive study done out of the University of San Francisco that showed that the most negative effects 
around the issue of abortion, and this was a study of thousands of people, was their lack of access and not being able to get one and what that meant for their lives. And so um, that's a very interesting study out of the University of San Francisco. But it's, you know, and then people who talk about all this other lies around later abortion and that they're dismemberment abortions, these things aren't real. This isn't true. And people who have later abortions are mostly having them for really, really, really sad reasons. And if you're questioning why we need abortions later in pregnancy, you need to learn about gestate, what happens in gestation and how things, complications might not happen until after the 24th week. You know, there's many, many things in fetal development that don't happen until later. And it's really sad that there's, you know, three states in the country that people have can go to and your insurance won't cover it. And it costs $20,000 and it's heart-wrenching. And it's very heart-wrenching. And it's also like 0.5% of all abortions that ever happen. Most abortions happen in very, very early pregnancy, um, finding out you're pregnant. Yeah. I mean, hearing you say, um, to consider all of the things that can go on in a pregnancy after 24 weeks. I mean, having, you know, carried two children to term, I, that's your whole pregnancy is going to a doctor like every month and going through, you don't just go there and they go like, Hey, how fantastic is your pregnancy? You go there and they go, so we're going to do all these tests that are going to just scare the shit out of you. (laughs) And we're going to cross our fingers, you know, for 99.9999999 chance. Like they're, they're always like your past and everything's fine. But there's always that little like list that we're going to let you know about where um, the most devastating thing can occur or you get the most devastating news. And um, so I can't imagine some of the um, the the parents or the or the people that you've sat down with to hear these stories um, and the vulnerability it takes to share them. And and to think that others feel entitled to weigh in on, judge them, and and diminish their grief, and diminish their reasoning, and that that is a, a thing that they would prioritize, is profoundly messed up. It's profoundly messed up. So, you know, it's, I think, allowing space for people to talk about their stories and like meeting them where they live and understanding that abortion, like everything else is one of a many medical decisions somebody might make in their reproductive lifetime. And the reason they make those choices are different. And every reason is valid. Everyone. And it's nobody else's business. Nobody else's business. The fact that it's the only medical procedure where you have to explain yourself to the government it's disgusting. Can we talk about November 30th? Yeah. I was just going to segue into that. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Before we hopped on the mic uh, or started recording, you talked to us about November 30th and how you will be on the steps or ready to go. Can you talk to us about the whole process and um, yes. go through it again for our listeners sure. because we weren't recording at that sure. point? Sure. So um, as we talked earlier on December 1st, Uh, the state of Mississippi is going before the Supreme Court to try to enact an unconstitutional law that would overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, The thing about Washington, D.C. that's fascinating is in front of the steps of the Supreme Court is where all the rallies happen and all the protests happen whenever the Supreme Court is hearing cases. So you've probably seen millions gathering for like marriage equality or any of the myriad of abortion cases or immigration cases. And you can't permit those spaces. And so the, they will allow you to sleep and take up space overnight to get your space. So on November 30th, I am sleeping overnight with some other activists so that we can secure space because the anti-abortion extremists will also be trying to secure their space. And then we are going to have a gathering and participate in a gathering right in front of the Supreme Court as they hear this Mississippi case to um, stand up with the people of Mississippi 
especially since there is one clinic left in Mississippi and they are doing the Lord's work in Mississippi, but also because this is a case that not only affects the people of Mississippi, but it affects the very uh, state of legal abortion in this country. And they will argue, they'll hear the arguments, the judges will hear from the state of Mississippi and then the lawyers who say this law is unconstitutional. And then they'll probably issue a ruling in the spring. So if you're fired up and ready to go, get a posse together with your gang and come on (laughs) down on December 1st, get there in the morning. We'll have signs for you. We'll be chanting. We will be singing. We want to show that we are the majority and that this kind of oppression will not stand. So there's going to be a lot of really, really cool people out there loud and proud on December 1st, Sarah Silverman's birthday. (laughs) That's my daughter, Josephine's birthday too. Amazing. That's so funny. Yeah. Well, we can't let you go without discussing the day no, show. Just for a little course. bit. Just just, oh, just bear yeah. with us for a little bit. You know, when most people think of The Daily Show, they think of Jon Stewart. They think of uh, Trevor Noah, his predecessor. They think about the men, Always. really. Um, you know, <laughs> however, this show was created by two women. Yes. In 1994, you and other your other fellow TV producer, Madeline Smithberg, um, you guys moved into the same building. Yes. Correct? A brownstone. Yeah. And um, everything began at that point. Can you take us back to that fateful day? Yes. Well, I had been doing this crazy one-woman show about the first Gulf War and screaming about the government and war. <laughs> and um, I was going to bring the show to New York. And... Uh, my lease was up in my old apartment and the rent skyrocketed in New York. And so I found this new apartment and I moved in on the same day as Madeline and Madeline was producing the John Stewart talk show on MTV at the time. And I, John and I were old friends and we had written a pilot together and done stand up together. And so she's like, do you want to be a segment producer on John's show? You know, while you're doing your thing. And I was like, okay, I've never done that before. I also didn't know how to type. I also was like being a fraud, like, sure, I'll do this. No idea what I'm doing. (laughs) So my boyfriend at the time was a news person and he taught me how to work the program on this computer. So all I knew how to do was work the program to the Jon Stewart show on a computer. And I faked my way through. And then the show, I can't remember how long we were there. I guess maybe just under a year. And then the show got canceled. And our bosses there went on to become the heads of Comedy Central. And then David Letterman snatched John into a development deal for two years. And then they brought Madeline and I over and they were like, hey, we want to do this show. Do you want to do it? Liz, you know about politics and the world. Um, And Madeline, you are a veteran in all things comedy and talk shows. And so... I was like, oh my God, yes, I can't believe it. And then they were like, we want you to be the head writer. And I was like, oh my God, I've never done that either. No one had ever done a show like this before. So we made it out of whole cloth. One thing I knew and my one woman show that I was doing was about the media. I mean, this is like, you know, in 1994. So the media has been garbage for a long time. So I was doing a whole show about how they dropped the ball and they weren't focusing on anything important and they were just tools to the government, blah, blah, blah. And so I said, you know, I think this show should look like the news, operate like the news, but be a comedy show. And they were like, okay. And I was like, okay. And then they said, (laughs) and this is the part that's so wild. They go, you know, it seems like this is the kind of show that we really have to work the bugs out. So we're not going to do a pilot, which is a test episode to see if it works. We're going to just go on the air for a year and let you guys work out the bugs so they gave us a year yes i know that's it's the dream what that's incredible that doesn't happen anymore no yeah. only wow. happened with the simpsons and us i think honestly i don't know of any other show that can tell this story and um you know it was these two women who like threw it up and did it and it was so funny because we butted heads with the network so much they really wanted it to be an entertainment show and i was like why there's entertainment shows already out there there's no show 
that's taking on the media and taking on politicians. And you want to have celebrities on as guests. Why do we want to shit on them? Why don't we have a guest segment where they come on and they talk and they have fun? And, and it was always this battle and it was always this battle and always trying to justify why doing a satirical news show, what had value and what it was going to bring. And till the day I left, I fought that battle. And the second John like jumped in and was like, I really think we should do this. Then all of a sudden they heard it. You know, it's like when a man says the same thing everyone else has been saying, then it becomes a good idea. You know, it's just maddening. Well, that's, but that's what happens. You know, I, I would love to um, ask just a, a final question of, you know, advice that you have for women taking up space, not only in the room, not only at the table, but also within politics um, from mm-hmm. your experiences where do you get that confidence, that ability to say, yeah, I'm going to make the space here that I need to, to make my point? You know, I will say what I say often to people, and that is, you matter, act like it. Please mm. act like you matter. Because otherwise, it's going to be an endless struggle. And once you decide you matter, When, like, I have a rule. If you're not feeding me, fucking me, or paying me, your opinion is, like, in the cellar of my, like, things that I am going to consider. And so really curating who you want to talk to, what you want to say, having a clear understanding of your belief system, people can't hurt you as much. You you can just understand that, that's fine. You disagree with me and you can yell at me all day in the void. I don't care because I have done my research. I have a belief system. I thought this through. I can articulate what I believe and then I can forge ahead and I'm going to lose people along the way and I'm going to gain people along the way. That's why I think cancel culture is bullshit because it's like, it's merely the marketplace of ideas. I'm the abortion comedian. Do you think it's easy being a feminist and a woman and doing abortion and all this stuff? I don't expect everyone to like me. I don't expect half of the people to like me. I'm, that's not what I'm in it for. And so to be mad when you have ideas that are controversial and then people call you on it and, and, and call you out, why would you not expect that? Either, either be, don't do it anymore if you want everyone to love you, which not everyone's gonna, by the way, I don't only men get to somehow have this fantasy. Um, or just <laughs> stand up for your own self and believe the shit you believe and understand you're gonna take the hits. And truth be told, you know, the, if you can't make your argument and somebody else can argue against you better, they're gonna win. That's what happens. That's called the marketplace of ideas. So check your expiration date on your bullshit opinions and see if they're still even interesting. Because if nobody wants to buy them, that's not anybody's fault, but you know, yours. You're the best. <laughs> We're buying them. Ka-ching. I mean, you know, honestly, it's just the second you realize that not everyone is going to think you're amazing. But when people tell you they like what you're saying and that you've touched them and it's made you feel good to say what you said and you see that, just keep doing that. And then those people will tell other people, weed out the people who are going to tell you not to do what you enjoy doing. Such great advice. Liz Winstead, thank you so much for coming and joining us and having the tough conversation and having fun while doing so. And we are so grateful you took the time. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much, you two. You are amazing. And I love your podcast. And I'm so thrilled to be on. Thank you. Thank you so much. Where can our listeners follow you on social media? Um, where can they go? Obviously, abortion access front is where they can go for more information. Um, yeah, but you go to aafront.org is the website for the organization. I am all over social at Liz Winstead. I spell my name with two Z's. Um, we're launching this great show, Feminist Buzzkills Live on our YouTube channel, December 2nd. That's Abortion Access Front YouTube. And if you're in Portland or Seattle, 
I will be um, in your, I'm sorry, Portland and San Francisco. I will be performing in your town. If you want to come see some politically charged comedy, just go to Bands in Town and type in my name and you'll get all the info on November 3rd, 4th and 6th. Fantastic. And we'll have all that in our show notes too. Um, thank you, Liz, so much thank for joining us. Thank you all us. so You're much. Thank you. It's so nice to meet you. Uh, wow. I'm really happy we had that conversation with Liz. She's so she's so eloquent. She's so funny. She's so witty. And sometimes it's really hard to have these conversations. I know I personally felt nervous coming into doing this episode because it's what we talked about before. It's it's a topic that is not talked about often at all, and there's this weird stigma around it. And it's and and I know there's just it's just difficult sometimes to have these conversations. And I'm so grateful that Liz joined us and that we were able to go there with her. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, we've talked on this podcast before about specifically even miscarriage and how you know we've had guests on who shared in, in their experiences in miscarriage and how there has been a stigma for a very long time it just was something that you know women silently dealt with themselves and there was a lot of shame and not really understanding of the medical side of what goes on when someone is miscarrying and even the after effects of that you know in realizing that this we had the opportunity to sit down with Liz today it's yeah, if we can sit down and have a, you know, a very uncomfortable conversation about something like miscarriage or if we can have a, if we can talk about, you know, the birth, you know, and all of what that entails, you know, I, we should also be able to talk about, uh, you know, abortion, which is something it's real. It happens. It is, you know, it's something that is on the news and we should be able to sit down and, and talk about the facts, you know, especially as women and and not have it become this politicized thing and not only let the political elements rule and dictate how that conversation goes. This is a very unique conversation. I was nervous too, Kayla. It's become so politicized that it's hard just to have, you know, a human conversation about it. But that's what I think I appreciate Liz's vulnerability in sharing her story and her own experiences with abortion and and also just sharing everything that she's learned over the years since starting the abortion access front. And, you know, for anyone listening in case they, you know, need resources, you know, Liz was incredible at listing a bunch of resources that she's found to be true and real. Right. And I love so much that she has a website that she continually updates. So for those of you that find yourself in a scenario where you want to find out what clinics are real and which ones aren't, make sure you check out her website because um, it will be updated. And that's an incredible resource to have. I didn't realize that getting an ultrasound was not considered getting a medical procedure. I mean, think about all the ultrasounds that you've had. They're very... (laughs) It's a medical, it should be a medical procedure. It should have to carry some weight. I know. I agree with you, Candace. I think there's a lot that we learned in this episode. And the truth is there's still so much more that we can learn or that I know I can learn. So I'm definitely going to check out a lot of the links that we have in our bio. And um, Liz had such a wonderful point of making sure no matter what side of the coin you're on, that you understand how you feel about something and owning it. And I really appreciate what she said towards the tail end of our conversation um, about women taking up space in a room and how to do that. Um, So we hope you guys enjoyed this discussion that we had with Liz um, and this episode. And we have another great episode coming up for you next week. We'll see you then. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with ACAST.